Hey, my friend, welcome to the Saturday edition of The Daily Writer. Each weekday, we bring you a short lesson that helps you live out the four practices of a successful writer. Creativity, consistency, courage, and connection. Here on the weekend edition, we take a deeper dive into those topics through conversations with writers and teaching that helps us apply what we're learning. For more, you can visit us at dailywriterlife.com. Whenever I talk to new writers, the most overwhelming emotion that I sense from them is confusion. There are so many options and resources for publishing and writing a book that it's honestly hard to know what to do next. Fortunately, there is a clear pathway forward, and my good friend Bridget Cutshaw is here today to walk us through the formula for publishing a quality book. In fact, the title of her new fantastic book is Quality Book Formula, Professionally Publish Your Book for Excellence. Bridget is a solutions consultant and the founder of Gemini Media. She knows all the secrets to publishing a quality book after spending three decades in the print media industry. She started Gemini Media to share her insider knowledge on the best solutions with content creators like you. And the solutions she offers includes production services, print project management, strategic sourcing, and content development. And in this conversation, Bridget and I get pretty deep into the geeky side of publishing which was a ton of fun. We talk about shipping issues, creating print books, and what it takes to just develop a really high quality book. Bridget is basically a creative genius, and it was really a blast having her on the show. And I know you're going to enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So let's get to the conversation with my good friend, Bridget Cutshaw. Bridget, welcome to the Daily Writer Podcast. It is so good to connect with you on here. We've been friends for a little while now, but it's good to have you as a guest for the very first time on the show. So welcome. I appreciate it. It's a great, a great honor to be on your podcast, Kent. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. So Bridget, we're here to talk about your amazing new book, Quality Book Formula, Professionally Publish Your Book for Excellence. And I want to dive into some of the topics that you mentioned in this book, because this is such a critical element. You can write a great book, but actually crafting a high quality book, going through the publishing process is really a whole different animal than just sitting down and typing words into a Word document or a Google Doc. So before I get into some specific questions about all this, can you give us somewhat of your background with creating high quality books and why this topic is so important to you? Well, I got into, I've been in print media for over three decades and books fall into that. Print media 30 years ago, whatever was very popular. Even before that, I got in, I joke, I got into by accident. I was a college student and I had to get a job, part-time job. And I, ended up working for a um, huge book printer, right? I didn't know back then printers were part of publishing companies. You know, it's just a lot of, there's a lot of cost involved. And so I learned about um, the actual production process there, because like you said, it's not just, you know, uh, words on a Word doc, whatever. It, there's so much involved in the actual production and traditional publishers put a lot of time and money into it. And that's why their books look so good, right? Yes. <laughs> and there's a exactly. reason behind it. And I got the idea. I mean, I've been a different aspects. I work for book publishers. I work for book large book printers. I work for equipment manufacturer and the marketing and product management. As, so I've seen every angle of it, if that makes sense. There's different little aspects of it or big aspects, excuse me. And that's kind of how I got a lot of different types of perspectives to understand how a book is, should look. Or I back then we called it print media, right? 
but um, but but the the book aspect, I've always been fascinated with them for some reason as a little kid. That's what I had. We didn't have the internet back then, right? <laughs> yeah, parents, that's true. We didn't. We had libraries, and my parents had books ac- access for me, like encyclopedias. That that's kind of how I got fascinated with it, and that's why I think I stayed in the business alone so because I love books. The physical books aren't going to go away. It the idea came to me to write this is because I kept seeing so much out there, books about how to write and then books about how to market it. But what about the actual thing, you know, the book itself, yes. the product, but no one talks about it because I think they find it kind of boring. And I had some other successful authors say, Bridget, share your knowledge. And I took that for granted. I want a lot of us do that. We take that knowledge for granted and it's, Still very, very popular. And, be, and during COVID, um, books um, being published and the actual printing has actually exploded. It's gotten better. People were af- afraid that these ebooks were going to take over. It's not. And they, they it's know, not. and it's right. They have not. So I'm like, I'm, I'm glad I listened to these other authors. They're like, why don't you share that? I'm like, okay. You know, but. And I, I had to be convinced just because I thought, well, what I know is boring and it's not. And I should not hide that information. No, I, I love this. So it is so funny. I don't know if you have this experience, but I'll share an experience. Obviously, I'm not going to name the author because I don't want to embarrass them. But this is, let's say in the, in the last six months, uh, I'm thinking of at least one book. There's probably several of these, but I picked up a book, self-published book by a friend of mine. And uh, I really loved their book. It was great. But when I got the printed copy, I opened it up and my heart sunk a little bit because the margins were not correct in the book. And I'm curious. So, you know, maybe I should call in a priest right now because this is like confession time. But, but honestly, every time I open a print book, I always look for that stuff because, you know, the font choices, the design elements, the margins, the headers, all that stuff. I feel is really, really important and it gets ignored a lot. What are some of the things that when you crack open a particularly self-published book for the first time, what are some of the things that you always look for immediately just as somebody who's really into this? Well, you mentioned to the the trim or the, the margins and the bleeds. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people uh, self-publishing are trying to save money and they design it themselves and they don't know what they're, if you hire an idea. And That's what's going on. Yes. And I look at that. I look at the, I look at more, I, for some reason, the gutter margin, which is in the center. And if there, you have to have a, a larger gap, especially, especially soft cover books real popular. If you have to keep pushing it open, that book is eventually going to fall apart. I said, well, yes. I mean, it will happen. And I, you know, I'm thinking, well, they don't know what they're, uh, they're doing here. And that turns me off. And especially if you're an author trying to promote your business, your expertise, that turns, that turns Bridget off because yeah. I think, it does me too. Not, right. And that's, I, I do look at the, if there bleeds, if people are listening, a bleed means like an image or something or a color graphic goes off the edge. If you, you, you want to make sure that is, is proper and you have to make sure again, it's really worth the time and effort to have a designer involved. It, it's, it is so to me, it's important. It says a lot about your message. With an yes. ebook, you can't really tell, right? Um, I find ebooks, I can tell them when they're crappily put together too. Sorry. But um, <laughs> but um, 
but the physical book is really, really important because that I, I mentioned that in the book. It is part of your brand too, right? It is, it's you. People think of you when they see that and your message, you don't want it to stand out in a bad way. Your book, you want it to stand out more positive. And I call it being a little bit subtle. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Certain, yep. certain, it, that's why another reason you got to get a designer. Well, they have different genres of books, they have different types of cover designs, but the, the interior is just as important. And I will throw the book away. I really will if it's not designed, meaning the design, meaning they didn't consider the paper. Oh, another thing that's sorry, the paper that bugs the heck out of me. If you're using really cheap paper and you can see it bleeds through the, you know, if you have heavy design. You gotta yeah. have thicker paper. People don't realize there's different types of paper. That you just gotta think of all that. And that's why you have to plan ahead um, with your whoever you're gonna, if you're gonna have a physical book, it's best to look at you know samples. I recommend that of the previous printing because you don't know they could say whatever they want on their website. You know, you want something physical to, to look at it. And to me, paper is just as critical as how it's designed. So what is your feeling now here? I'm getting really granular and geeky. What is your feeling about cream paper versus white paper in nonfiction books? Well, I think from my experience and what I've seen, the traditionally published books from the big publishers, they usually uh, use cream paper in the beginning, natural. We also call it natural. That actually slightly thicker or bulk creates more bulk in your book if that makes <laughs> sense and that's one of the reasons why they do it and um it's it's not less slightly more than the white paper but right now we're in a crazy world with the um <laughs> paper industry with covid yes but it, that's one of the main reasons because it, it it looks better i think it does especially if it's just black and white you know what i'm saying it's not if you haven't have photographs you definitely don't want to use the natural cream paper, but that's really the main reason. It is slightly thicker and it costs slightly more, but it does have a better visual appeal to your eyes. And it won't be so, could be glaring if you just have black and white or, you know, black text on white paper. It is funny how these, these kinds of things, I feel like they subtly affect the reader's experience. Yes. So I got a, this is a nonfiction book. Um, this is probably three or four months ago. And the author has written a series of books. This is like a history kind of a book. And I don't remember what, what their name was, but when I got the book, it was printed on the kind of paper. It's like that real slick, glossy paper that was white. And the, the physical book was really, really heavy. It wasn't, it was like maybe 300 pages or something. And I was really, really surprised. Like I don't see nonfiction books that often that are, unless they're textbooks that are printed on that, like that slick kind of really white paper it was super it was like a really odd choice by the publisher is there a reason sometimes they do that it could be um the man issue with paper right now that we're having and they just you know but that makes no sense for a nonfiction book to be on gloss at, at all it was really opinion. yeah it was really strange it doesn't make sense they could have i see some people one of the reasons i dove into this with this book more people are self-publishing and they don't understand that and they need to understand like you said, it's subtly you're affecting your brand. And I I don't know why they would do that. Obviously, they to me, they use a commercial printer, which specializes in pamphlets and booklets. You know, okay. you know what I'm saying? And not right. actual right. books. It could be the issue with 
unfortunately, we're having some turnaround time issues because so many people are publishing books, and which is good. But then people don't understand, well, they want it out sooner. And so then they will get it printed on glossy paper, which I, that would turn me off too. It, it's that's meant for like photographs, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the book is still great, but I found that the, I know this sounds super geeky, but because the book feels a lot heavier to me, it actually deters me from picking it up and carrying it with me or from reading it. I know that sounds really silly, but, no, it, but the, I, the physical experience of reading the print book, I think is such a critical part of it that, that many times we just overlook as writers because, because we're focused on the words and the stories and so forth. But that physical experience subtly communicates your attention to detail. It communicates your desire to have a quality product, which is really important. Right. Now walk us through, because I don't fully know, know what's going on with this. Um, <laughs> what's the deal with the paper issue right now? I mean, we all know the world is, is, is all kind of whacked out. We've had a pandemic. Now we have a war going on. That's only adding to all kinds of chaos. Yeah, that is, you know. So kind of help us understand as writers, what's going on with the paper uh, supply issues. This actually, the paper stuff actually started before COVID happened. Oh, because, I didn't know that. Yes, it did. But the main reason is we are ordering, I'm not blaming it on Amazon, but we're ordering stuff from home. And so those paper mills are creating material for the corrugated boxes. Oh, seriously? For, yes, not for paper. And then- I never thought about that. Right. So these, part of it is- we that we were like not very happy in the book printing industry. They were doing this to create more, reduce the supply to to increase the demand. You know what I'm saying in the paper industry. Wow, I never thought about that. Right, because they're competing. They were competing in North America with like China to bring in the paper. You know what I'm saying? There's a big competition with that, and so that was another reason people were importing so much paper from China, and wow. so. Right. And so they had just too much supply out there. It's the supply and demand thing, economics. So then what happened is COVID came about and people were afraid the first year in 2020 to like publish anything. But then they're like, everybody wanted a physical book because they missed it. Right. And then that's why that. And so now we have this huge demand now. So, but we don't have enough, we don't have enough um, paper manufacturers business anymore and then you have the then you have the um the ports you know the, the they're getting clogged up that was happening before COVID. It's a whole other ball of wax yeah they yeah. just didn't talk about that that was happening before i had to sorry guys i had to import something from china it wasn't a book but it used to get stuck in uh la so then i started having it coming in to savannah because we weren't so clogged up it's just a labor it's just a combination of it's the economic issue. And then wow, interesting. Yeah, COVID just amplified it. So if you want really good, you know, most of our paper in North America does come from Canada. And and by the way, it didn't help that uh, I think those truckers were <laughs> there were some truckers. Right. There's some kind of a trucker issue in Canada. I don't I don't I know don't, anything about it beyond that. I've just seen it in the news. Right. And but that wasn't helping. We need our paper from Canada. And right. I'm like, guys, just figure it yeah. out. Whatever it takes, please figure it right. out. Right. And our- that's the good, the good, we, we call it the good paper. There's manufacturers in, in like, um, I shouldn't say the Southwest, but the South, not the Southeast, but the, we also have some paper coming in from Mexico, but that's usually more of like what you call the groundwood paper. You know what I'm talking about? 
Oh, found. okay. Okay. Yeah. Groundwood was, I don't recommend that for a book because that could turn yellow in the future. Is that more newspaper? Paper yeah, it's more like that. Paper? A lot of people do their, when catalogs are popular, um, they use groundwood paper. So that makes oh, sense. okay. And there's, you know, there's so many different ways. I recommend if you're going to do, put on there if you use recycled paper. And, and that's okay. another reason why that we mentioned the natural paper. You don't have bleach in that. That's another reason. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. There's just I so many little... I didn't even think about that mentioning that earlier. There's there's bleach added um, to the white paper. That's why it's white. Well, yeah, that makes uh, sense. And but then straight up groundwork paper, which is on average what we here in the United States we call it the basis weight, is on average like forty to forty five pound. But that business is there. Most of those people are probably not making corrugated material, okay? Because not many people are producing catalogs anymore. And yeah, that's true. That's that's part of it. And so there's just we're just trying to figure out what's the best thing to do. And right now, what we're involved in can't actual books that people want to read. That's that's a good um, um, demand issue. But then the paper companies are trying to figure out. And then also, I need to mention this: the paper industry they're allocating only allowing so many pounds to go to book printers. So that's another thing that's added. It's called allocation. If you're some huge global book printer like R.R. Donnelly, um, they're going to get lots more of the paper. So that makes sense. Totally so makes sense. They're just trying to, I don't know, people don't don't talk about it, but it's, I used to, um, one of the printers, I the original one I worked for a long time ago, they were bought out by R.R. Donnelly. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. But I, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned them. So I used to live in Northern Illinois in a town called right. Stringer which is like an hour north of Bloomington, Illinois, uh, a couple hours south of Chicago, something like that, an hour and a half. And we had a gentleman in our church who worked for R.R. Donald. He drove like probably an hour each way. And he worked there the whole time. I was I was at the church for like seven or eight years and he worked there. And I remember him talking about some of the stuff they would print. You know, they would do catalogs and everything, Bibles. And it's interesting because I think occasionally I will get something from Amazon that says it was printed by R.R. Donnelly. It may, it may not say it was printed by Donnelly, but I think where, where are they located? Is it? They have multiple, they have multiple locations. They're headquartered in Chicago, but they bought multiple plants. And I think R.R. Donnelly is being merged with somebody else. I can't remember specifically, but one thing that massive, I mean, yeah, Amazon is doing, people don't know this, they are outsourcing to book printers now. They <laughs> so, um, so Ingram's outsourcing to Amazon, who's outsourcing to book that, printers. Right, that's what's going on. And <laughs> because Amazon is really good at distribution, but not in pr- production is very expensive for the equipment. Yeah. So yeah. now they, yeah. it's all happened recently that this is going on. And um, Amazon... I think in a way it's good and it's good and bad. They're helping these book printers stay alive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which I'm, Hey, anything that yeah. helps independent companies yes. or small companies that are connected with the books stay open. I am all for that. Yes. And I also read recently that Amazon is closing their physical bookstores. I don't know how many they have. I read that too the other day. And, and that, but that's good for the independent bookstores. Yes. My understanding is they weren't doing well because they were curating books that were like popular online. Well, who gives a, you know, what, what about your local community? What books do they want? It's about 
who is your audience? And if you're in that particular, I mean, that's, it all goes into to the marketing aspect, but I used to like, I could tell back in the day, I'm like, ew, this was printed by Amazon, but now the books have gotten better because they they're actually outsourcing to uh, actual book um, printers. Yeah, I've got one here that I got from a friend of mine yesterday. Um, so the only, the only I think complaint that I have about Amazon's paperbacks is the the paper's fine, but sometimes the covers feel like they're printed on like a, like an ink. Well, maybe they are. They're printed on like an inkjet printer. Probably, it's just, it's yeah. not quite the level of publishers. It's Correct. it's really good, but it's not quite the level of like a of a traditional publisher. And it definitely looks different. I had uh, my book, I had uh, one printed um, with a, on a digital press, however, but it's not, you know, it's different quality compared to something that will be printed on Amazon. It's just for, we don't know which equipment they have and which brand. Right. brand. And it can be different depending on what day you order. It could be printed that's in the East down, Coast or the Midwest or whatever. That's the downside of Amazon outsourcing everything is the quality is not going to be consistent. That's yeah. the downside. But not, I still would rather deal with that than, yes. than then, having to go through all the, the machinery of a traditional publisher for everything that I want to do. You know, that's just a whole other ball of wax. It's expensive. It's very expensive. And, but the industry understands that. And that's why these book printers do offer um, the inkjet, which is better quality if you're going to have photos. Now, the laser printing is actually yeah. much better quality than inkjet. Right. But they so don't do that though, correct? Amazon doesn't I'm do sorry? laser. Amazon does does not. I don't do think laser, so, right? correct. And okay. it's more expensive. That equipment is ex- if you're gonna have good quality a digital print, you want it to be on a laser press. And um, but then and this bigger, they're usually bigger formats. And I think Amazon got into all this when they bought Create Space, which is based in South Carolina. I can't remember. I think I've been there before a long time ago. And I was like part of the, the equipment, you know, trying to push equipment on. I'm sorry. And yeah. uh, <laughs> that was a, the marketing aspect. But and that's what it is. That's how they got into it. They bought people, uh, companies like Create Space in Charleston. And then they slowly got into it. But now everybody, their brother wants to self-publish, which is fine. But you still have to know all the, the steps involved. And again, it goes back to just pause a little bit and don't try to do everything yourself. Right. Especially yes. physical book. Now let's, so I'm, I'm glad you made that, that segue because I could geek out over this, the minutia <laughs> of Amazon and, and paper and books. Cause I just love talking about this stuff and there's like nobody, very few people in my everyday world, you know, really enjoy <laughs> having these conversations about highly geeked out issues related to supply lines and uh, Amazon print quality and that kind of stuff. So I think it's really fun, but I'm glad you brought this back around. I would love to dive into a couple of things from your book. Walk us through, if, if you would, maybe two or three of the major concepts from your book as far as, hey, if you're a writer, don't forget about these really important parts of creating a high quality book. Let's assume the writing is good. Let's assume the editing and the cover design. You know, Let's kind of assume that we have those, those locked into some degree. What are some of the, the things that authors are going to tend to mess up and things that you talk about in your book? They um, need to make sure, like you mentioned, the cover is usually done first. That provides inspiration on how you're Mm going to lay out the interior. I also recommend you have a um, designer. Usually it's 
it's recommended to have someone separate, an interior designer. You know what I'm saying? Really? That's okay. But they, there's some designers who've been there in the business for a long time, and they can do both. Okay. Does that make sense? Because I, I thought and, you, would, I thought those those graphical elements, there should be some continuity between like font choices for the cover and the interior. Right. You that's why you have to have the cover done first, and then what I recommend people need to do is get. That's when you get a designer involved. Even if it is okay. your cover designer, get them involved to help you decide um, what kind of trim size you want in paper. How is a, you know, how much ink is going to be required on the interior? It decides on how much, you know, the type of paper you're going to have. And that's when I think people forget they don't create their budget early enough to if they're going to have a physical copy, even if it's okay. through Amazon, even if it's through Amazon, you still got to know expected page count and the kind of paper you're going to use and how much ink is going to go on that paper. Amazon is fantastic with one color, but if you try to do anything with four color interior, it's really expensive. And you need to, that also is going to help you develop what your retail price is going to be. It's all related, you know, in the beginning you have, like you said, the editing is done and then you start the design phase. Then you have to get, I recommend you get, um, even if it is Amazon, you've got to get an idea of the estimate of what the print's going to be for the, the pages. And as I also recommend in printing, your page count at a minimum should be divisible by four. Sorry, it's okay. just based on the equipment. Yes. I yes. prefer, um, if you're going to go end up going offset, if it's a larger quantity, it's even better if it's divisible by 16. So make, it's now, based talk on, about, explain, uh, I, I know what it is, but explain. Yeah. For listeners, what is offset printing versus going through Amazon? Offset printing is was invented uh, over 100 years ago. And I can't remember the guy's name. Sorry, it's in my book. I can't remember his name. But it's really super high quality where you have the, um, you have to use a plate to put the ink onto the, onto the paper. And it's super, um, we just call it offset because it's not directly from the ink to the paper, you know, like digital Whereas yes, offset, yes. that's why they call it offset. It has to go through a plate and then um, on a paper. So a plate is created, the ink is transferred yes. to the plate, yes. then it's transferred from the plate to the paper. Yes. Right? And, then, okay. and that's why it's more expensive because you have to make these plates. Yes. But the plates has something to do with. Um, can't it's higher it. quality, isn't it? It's, it's just much higher quality. And, this, and that's why it's better to have a min- There's usually a minimum print run to do something like that. On average, yeah. it's 500 to 1,000. But if you're going to have, especially photography, you know, books, and even it, most textbooks are printed offset printing now. And because you want, you usually have images in there and it's just going to be better, if that makes sense. And inkjet, I should say inkjet, I'm sorry. Digital print came around early in the 90s and we're like, oh my goodness, what the heck is this? It, you, you know, you think of a printer in your office and back then the printing in your office was not as good, but it has improved along the way. And they um, weren't sure in the beginning about binding for like perfect bound books. That's been, was an issue in the early stages too. The binding okay. wasn't as good. And it was, again, uh, it was just a, a glue issue. We call that part of production called post, we call it post press after it's printed. How are you going to put it together, right? 
And if it's offset or usually digital print, they usually have it perfect bound at the end of the piece of equipment. That makes sense. And describe um, what perfect bound is. Perfect bound is where you have multiple pages together and you have a cover with the spine. You have art on the spine. That We call that perfect binding. Okay. As opposed to glue. Right. And the glue is included inside, but we call it perfect binding because of the edges are perfect. So I brought my book. It's like yes. perfect and smooth. And the glue um, that's used, it also depends on, oh, heavier the book you want, what's a heavier, a more durable glue called PUR, which is polyurethane. I'm getting too geeky here. Sorry. But that, if you're going to have like these bigger textbooks, some of them are Smythe sewn. That's another type of binding too, right? Smythe is where you actually have it, has it sewn with thread, right? And those are definitely for, really popular for the hardcover books and for training books. It keeps it together. And then there was a, another type of, there's so many options out there. That's why it, what's the purpose of your book? And that'll help you determine the kind of binding. And but mostly most you would not need to worry about that unless you are sending your book, unless you're having independently printed through a printer, yes. as opposed to just using Amazon, correct? Correct. Amazon can only give you a perfect bound book. That's the only thing they can offer right, right now. That's the only right. thing they offer. Well, it makes sense, you know, economically for them just to offer one type of thing because yes. they're not primarily a printing company. No, they're, they're really an, an e-commerce company. Yeah. That's it, it, it happens to do printing. Yeah. And they, and it's, and it's fine. And I think that's, it opened the door to help more people get their message out there. And that's the, that's yes. the pro of Amazon. They can, they're allowing more people to have their voices heard and create a book. And I think they recently started offering hardcover version, but that's again, because they're outsourcing. They didn't right. buy the okay. Let me dive into, to one thing, kind of, as we begin to wrap this up, there's just tons of directions we could go with this. Right. There really is. Um, and there's so much to this that sometimes people can get lost down the black hole of book stuff, you know, what, and because there's so many options, but let's talk about something that I feel is not talked about hardly ever among authors. And that is how to decide what your trim size of your book should be. In fact, I had this conversation with a coaching client just this morning. Um, I was talking about, Hey, you know, what size do you want your book to be? Have you thought about that? And they hadn't really thought about it. It's something else people never give much thought to, but can you walk us through how to decide how big your, your book should be? And let's, let's assume we're doing a paperback book through Amazon just to kind of simplify okay. things here. Well, what it is you want to, you know, to me, it's important to know who is your, who's going to be, you know, your client or who's going to buy this book, your avatar, right? And also your genre is, is, uh, should be considered. And I think the most common books that are printed on Amazon are like six by nine, five by mm -hmm. eight. And those are usually, you've got this, the self-help books. Um, and then, but then you have like romance novels, they're going to be slightly smaller. It kind of goes in line with genre. Yes. So basically do whatever's popular in your genre. Then you, yeah, you really do can't go wrong. Yeah, that will help you fit in. And again, you want to be subtle, right, with, with your book if you're self-publishing. Now, when you have like a training material, like a book to help you, I shouldn't say training material, but um, educational in a way, those are usually larger. Those are going to be like, eight by 10 or eight and a half by 11. Yes. yes. That's, that's what's in that particular genre. 
There's also, um, if you decide to do four color printing with Amazon and it has a lot of photos in it, you want it to stand out a little differently, like a seven by 10. It, so just a photo of, I should say a photo book, but they, they stand out anyway, regardless. And they're going right. to have, um, I think Amazon offers the right kind of paper for that, but it is going to be more expensive, but you got to, you put that in your retail price <laughs> to, to cover yes. those expenses. And that's really what it is. What is your genre? And you want it to kind of fit in. There's some people who want to make the book stand out to make it slightly different, but then that can make your costs be higher because it's not a standard size. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what you gotta, it is. What is your budget? What is your purpose of the book? What kind of attention do you want for it? And, um, and also something to consider. I, I think I wrote this in my book. If you have a six by nine versus five by eight, you'll have more pages if you do a five by eight book. Yes. And it make your book a little thicker. So that's something to think about too. You know, I have to. So again, this is confession time, but <laughs> I really. I generally think six by nine books are too big. Yes. They, they feel to me like they're just a little bit too big to hold comfortably in your hand. Correct. And I, it baffles me why they're so popular. I really don't understand that other than it's just what everybody does. But then another size, I'm also baffled by the five by eight book size because it feels too narrow to me. Mm-hmm. I really prefer the five and a quarter by eight. And that to me, that quarter That's inch right. just adds a little bit of extra that, the width, yeah. The width makes a, a more visually pleasing book. I feel like I spend way too much time thinking about this stuff, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm not and sure it's okay. healthy, but. I think it's okay. You just got to give that kind of feedback, you know, to your designer and get in there. Yeah. That's yeah. why I recommend to use a designer that have experience in books because they understand right. the genre. Right. They understand. That's a great what point. To look like and. I, um, in my last book, I had a great designer help me because he came up with a design I never would have thought of. Right? <laughs> and that's right. Cause he understood what my purpose of my book was. And we came up with this vintage design. And I, cause I it talk about how I love, I love historical fiction, even though my book is about nonfiction. So we made it kind of vintage, put a little bit of history in there. Right. It, it just depends on I also recommend, by the way, you can go, if there's a bookstore around you, you can go there to see what are popular, right? Exactly. Um, there's um people don't realize, but like Target has a huge book section, at least the Target. They community. do. They do. You can just go look at the shelves there. I've gotten some great ideas to help some of my customers in the past. I used to go to Lifeway Christian Bookstore. They're not around here anymore. But uh, I don't think they're anywhere anymore. Right. It's sad, but they had some great stuff on their bookshelves and they curated it for um yep and the great thing about i'm sorry go ahead no i was just saying they they curated the book for their for their audience yes and i think that that is a really really important thing and i think a place like barnes and noble is wonderful to go look at book covers but there's so many books there it's hard to kind of know yes really what you should look at and target is great because that or walmart same thing Uh, i'd probably pick target Target right. to me seems like it's probably a little more carefully curated. Yes. Walmart, no offense to Walmart people. Um, <laughs> but it's good because I think Target pays a lot of attention to what's popular, what's selling. Their book displays, there is actually some thought put into those at mm-hmm. Target's. So to me, you're z- exactly right. Where that's a good place to go to see what kind of cover designs are popular, what's hot right now, what's in, what's not in. 
And just to get a good idea of what people are paying attention to, I think that's, there's right. a lot of value in that. And another thing you can also even go on Amazon and type in a certain genre and then whatever books pop up, go look at the trim sizes at the, in the description. Exactly. That's another yeah, way it's to there. Do. Yeah, it's all there. And um, there's a, some, a lot of local bookstores too that I try to support as well. And, I, and I'll go there, but most of them have lots of hardcover books there. And those are expensive, but if you have a budget for it, um, you definitely need to yeah. consider that. If you have a budget, get, you'll, you'll figure a way out though if, if you want it. Yeah, and I would say if you if you don't have a budget for this stuff, try try your best to find a way to have a budget for it. Yeah, because it will really make a huge difference. It'll pay off. <laughs> I remember when I did my well, not my last book, I guess. Um, a few years ago, I did a book, and the way that I actually paid this is back when I still worked as a college prof. Like I didn't have any extra money uh, at that time, so I ended up selling a bunch of my uh, like Bible resources. This was like huge Bible dictionaries, encyclopedias, that kind of stuff. I sold a whole bunch of those to students actually uh, and our staff to get money so I could pay for editing and cover design. So okay. I think just like do whatever you need to do to get the money to have a quality book. It's really, really worth it. And it makes a huge difference. It's definitely worth it in the long run. <laughs> Well, Bridget, thanks so much for joining me on this episode. This has been a blast. I could geek out with you for hours on this stuff. And I'm so thankful there are people like you in the world who know the intimate details of paper supply lines and um, the importance of having a great interior format and cover design and Amazon stuff and printers. It really makes a huge difference. So I'm grateful for you and for your knowledge and your friendship. And uh, if you can, Let's wrap up with this. Can you tell our listeners how to get in touch with you, uh, where to find out all the cool stuff that you're doing in the book world? Well, one of the things I had a landing page created called qualitybookformula.com. And what it does, it will have a, a PDF checklist you can download the expected turnaround time. I think that's important to know too. And, or you can also check out my personal website, BridgetCutshaw.com, B-R-I-G-I-T-T-E-C-U-T-S-H-A-L-L.com. That's a great way to connect with me. Perfect. Well, thanks again. This has been an absolute blast and a total pleasure and can't wait to do it again. Thank you so much, Kent. Thank you. Hey, wasn't that a fun conversation? I had an absolute blast talking with Bridget about all things related to books, publishing, paper sourcing issues, production, shipping, and all those kinds of things. Now, I know that some of those things might seem pretty far removed from what you're doing right now in your writing, but they're really not. Because as you're well aware, everything affects everything else. Wars in Europe and countries on the opposite side of the world, they do affect how we actually are able to source our paper and our print books and everything affects everything else. So I think it's important as a writer to be aware of these kind of global events and just to to know what's happening in the world. Fortunately, we have people like Bridget who can help walk us through some of these issues. So this was an absolute blast. And I would say my main takeaway from this conversation is that it's really not that complicated to create a high quality book. And I would just recommend that you grab Bridget's book. Again, it's called Quality Book Formula, Professionally Publish Your Book for Excellence. Make sure and grab that. It's a little paperback. You can read it in probably less than an hour. And it's just really, really, really good stuff. So make sure and grab that as well. Make sure and check out Bridget's websites and her social media links, which I will have all those in the show notes as well. 
But I want to give a huge shout out to Bridget for making the time to come on this episode. It was an absolute blast. And I, of course, appreciate your time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I want to take a moment to let you know about our daily writer membership community. You know, one of the very best ways to develop better habits and impact more people's lives with your writing is to spend time around other successful writers. So if you're tired of feeling isolated and chasing success on your own, then I know you're going to love the Daily Writer community. For years, I searched for the kind of writing community that I would want to join, but I could never find what I wanted, so I created my own. Some of the features include weekly writing sprints, monthly community calls, book discussions, calls with guest experts, and much more. For more info, you can visit dailywriterlife.com community. Thanks, and I'll see you tomorrow.